Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the only podcast approved by the FDA for the treatment of genital warts. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. <laughs> you, you didn't react to that as I, well as I thought you would. <laughs> we'll take hoping, care of it. We'll get in there. I was, I was, I was hoping that you'd That's do like a That's the podcast spit guarantee that we will get in there and we will scrub each and every one of them off of you. <laughs> I was hoping I'd get like a spit take or something out of that. That's fine. No, That's just fine. A, just a, a, an internal delightment. Honestly, like sometimes we wait a couple of minutes into the podcast before we start working blue. Mm-hmm. Not this no, time, baby. No. Not this time. We are a podcast about the Andy Griffith Show and Baby Boomer Television in general. And the episode that we're doing today is, I don't even know, I can't classify it. It's fucking it's weird. It's so weird. It's like a it's- different show. It's one of the weirder episodes of this show. I, I can't say that I've liked it or disliked it. This was um, an okay episode of True Blood that we just watched. So, but I do want to talk about one thing, Dan. Dan, what do you think the difference is between eavesdropping and overhearing? When I think you, like, position your body in a way to overhear. Like, I, okay, I, think, I think that's true, too. So press I press your ear against a door. I live in, I, I guess you would call my, my building a triplex. There's three apartments, and mm-hmm. I'm in the middle. So it's just me, the guy above me, and the couple below me. And, you know, we don't really talk to each other, like, unless there's something wrong or whatever. But you know how just, like, if you live in a, a place with people, and old, you know, houses are built weird, pipes are weird, mm-hmm. sometimes you can hear your neighbors and just kind of like a brr, 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 just a dull roar. But sometimes, in some places in your house, you can hear everything. Nice. Crystal clear. Even if you're trying not to. And this happened to me the other night as I got up in the middle of the night and had to pee. Probably about one in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I woke up, cat woke me up or whatever. I went to the bathroom and I'm in there, you know, about to wash my hands. And I hear very clearly a woman's voice from downstairs yelling, I was sucking your dick and you fell asleep. I was sucking your dick and you fell asleep. And I stood in the bathroom going, hello. You have to listen to everything that comes after that. Yes. What, What followed was the funniest fight I have ever fucking heard. As best as I can tell, mm-hmm. the fight was about them going out for three hours. Mm-hmm. We were out for three hours, and you got so drunk that you can't fuck now. How do you get that drunk in three hours? I mean, that is impressive. That's <laughs> very impressive. So I got to listen to this woman basically berate her husband, and she got mean, dude. She brought up his cholesterol level. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she brought up the fact that, like, he has bad cholesterol and is going bald and, like, and is, like, eight years older than she is. <laughs> and after a bit, I was like, okay, so is, is this, this is what you got, like, He's got to be asking for this, right? Is, is this what he gets into? But no, like, I can tell. So they were, they got dressed or they got together or they got went out. They were supposed to fuck that night. Mm. I heard her say, you know, I dress like this for you. You told me to put the effort in. I'm putting in the effort. And you, you can't even, you can't even get hard. No, grab. And then I, I listened to this line. And Dan, you have to understand, by this point, I am on the floor i am on the floor outside of my bathroom going into my bedroom with my ear to the ground <laughs> i gave myself an ear infection for three days because of this. i don't vacuum that floor enough yeah, what the fuck is just we'll circle I, back I, to it but what state are you living in you goddamn animal <laughs> i almost didn't make it in this recording because of the ear infection because i got because i had to hear her say oh you're not too drunk and like he's got a deeper voice, so it just kind of and he was drunk. <laughs> he's one of the parents from the fucking peanuts. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got exactly that. I got to hear like, why are we fucking? Yeah, no. I got to hear that. Like, this this was the climax. No pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah, uh, yeah. for me was take her credit saying, for it. Was her saying, listen, you're not too drunk. You're not too drunk to fuck. Grab your dick. Grab your dick and get hard. Grab your dick and get hard right now. Okay, you just missed your dick. <laughs> Lady, you gotta take the L. <laughs> I, un- I, under- I understand your frustration. I understand that you're upset by this. I, I get it. it you're-, you're not, you know, this-, this is not a good marriage, but like, it's not happening tonight. You gotta take the L. I... I cannot imagine. Cut your losses. I can't. I am. I cannot I am imagine a less arousing situation than someone screaming at me to get hard. I, that would. That's like talking talking about your blood pressure. Yeah, talking about my bald spot and then screaming at me to get erect. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm trying so hard not to wake up Sarah, but I am convulsing on the ground i think sarah did get up and was worried that i was having a seizure <laughs> because i was trying to hold in laughter just in just in a in the fetal position ear to the ground what is it fucking who is your neighbor the lockhorns <laughs> like fucking hey comics corner hey fucking what like 1980s movie stereotypical couple are you sharing a building with i don't know i don't know i'm I'm hoping they get divorced soon because their apartment's nicer than ours. <laughs> you should just like start sabotaging them through. The- pretend to be a ghost and just be like, if he loved you, he could get hard at will. <laughs> this is your subconscious. What kind of molding does your wall have? I feel like I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Did you install a new oven? <laughs> Looks good. Like that backsplash. He's cheating on you. <laughs> it's over. Go move in with your sister. What's your Pico Bill looking like on a regular basis? <laughs> I mean, as funny as that would be, I feel like it's going to happen eventually anyway, man, with no participation from me. <laughs> I feel like I just gotta wait it out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when the phrase "you missed your dick" comes up, you're you're pretty much done. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's not a salvageable relationship. I am not. We should, we we should, we could get Doctor Nerdlove. Doctor Nerdlove, if you're listening, email us. I uh, th- want to hear you weigh in on this. Do you think? What if your neighbors? <laughs> are our listeners and they just found out that this is that this is you i'm i'm really worried that they can hear me imitating them right now i can or or i, I, I kind of i kind of checked there's a package outside that they haven't brought in yet so i don't think they're home <laughs> or or we have listeners that are like they listen to the podcast together maybe like on the car ride to work and they just had this argument last night and this is and now they're just kind of sitting in a pregnant silence just being like please don't say the thing about not being able to grab your dick oh fuck and and then they just got to like finish the car ride knowing that on some level they both know it's over <laughs> breaking mayberry Ending your relationships one listener at a time. Uh, I feel good with that. Yeah. I feel good about that. We uh, <laughs> we so this is this is similar, much tamer than yours. <laughs> I don't have anything on that level. But our downstairs neighbor, really nice guy, but his recreational habit during during work hours is uh, he takes calls from telemarketers and fucking screams at them and just like <laughs> opens up on them. And at first I was like, God, this guy's always fucking yelling. But now whenever I hear him going, I'm like, I like stop what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. He downstairs neighbor's about to get his ass. And he's just like, take me off your fucking mailing list. Who gave you my number? Who gave you my fucking number? Huh? Huh? You a fucking idiot? Let me talk to your goddamn manager, you piece of shit. And I'm just like, like, I'm. I'm sitting by my door, just like a wrestling fan, just like, oh, go, 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 get him, get his ass, get his ass, downstairs neighbor off the top rope, oh, shit, 
this is this is this is the enjoyments that we have to take out of life now you got you got to take your wins where you can get them yeah i guess that poor telemarketer they know their job sucks shit (laughs) they at this point they should have like communicated with each other to not call this guy they should have like the telemarketer there should should be a blacklist right like or just like the telemarketer equivalent of like hobo symbols like they should like (laughs) do a circle with a cross on it on his number that's just like don't call him not safe here. You know what? You know what it is. His number is how you haze the new guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what you do there. He's the crucible. Like if you can survive ten minutes with Dan's downstairs neighbor, then you might have a future in this business. The lovely business of telemarketing. <laughs> Today's episode of the Andy Griffith Show. This show is still about that. Is season four, episode twenty-five. Divorce mountain style. Dan, you see, do you see why I told that story for the divorce episode? And then you like interrupted with your angry neighbor, which is not, which is not a natural segue, but I like it. We're keeping it in anyway. My angry neighbor divorce. who might be divorced. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's a pretty and, divorced and, guy activity. And to be fair, this episode has less to do with divorce and more to do with mountain folk folklore. Yeah. We actually we actually had a guest on this episode, a plan for this episode. I, I had a guest who, like, hosted a show about couples that should break up or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and they were unable to make it. But I'm glad they were, because this isn't really about divorce. It's about, like, it's like superstition, like backwards superstition. And I guess if I had read this one-sentence summary from Wikipedia that I'm about to read, I would have known that. Man, I don't do any research on this. Okay, Divorce Mountain Style, directed by Jeffrey Hayden. By the way, if you were wondering, the past four episodes have been directed by Jeffrey Hayden. We're in a big block of that. He's this this week's Bob Sweeney. Originally airs March 30th, 1964, written by Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum. Those weird uh, little freaks. These, these weirdos. And here <laughs> is your weird, one man. sentence summary. Those guys I, I, who were on, who who did the brown acid this week. Now, I feel like Fritzel and Greenbaum are definitely the names that we've seen the most throughout uh the past four seasons like they've def they're definitely like their mark is all over this is pretty much their show at this point here's your one sentence summary from wikipedia after an argument charlene darling wash impulsively leaves impulsively leaves dud and determines to marry andy forcing andy and barney everything makes sense up until that comma and determines to marry andy comma forcing Andy and Barney to simulate supernatural interference to drive Charlene back to Dud. They edited this Wikipedia article since the last time I read it. That is not what the sentence read last time. Do you remember? Was it something much tamer? Yeah, yeah. It was something like, I think it was the one that they have on on the Wikipedia, on the Mayberry Wiki, which is Charlene Darling uses a mountain ritual to divorce Dud Wash and marry Andy. Yeah. That's what I think they said. So I was like, okay, this is about divorce, whatever. Um, it really is not. It is ostensibly about divorce, but in reality, it is about, like, fucking Narnia logic. It it does not operate in any sort of sane framework related to anything a human has ever done or will do. It it doesn't even make sense in the context of this fucking, of this show. It's yeah. so weird. You uh, were fucking talking about, like, having a guest who knows about mountain fork folklore, which I think if you showed this to that guest would be like, fuck off. What do you think my job is? So ac- according, according to like the ultra reliable Mayberry wiki comments, Everett Greenbaum, the writer of this episode stated that while writing this script, I got several books on superstitions from the library by altering or combining many of them. We were able to catch the flavor and make up our own. So you lied. You 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 lied believably. This the the superstitions that are displayed in this uh in this thing, I would expect to be a very racist portrayal of somebody yes! who isn't white. If the darlings yes! were not white, I would be like, this is the most racist thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. It is pure witch doctor voodoo. Yeah. Like, it makes it It makes about as much sense as them like 
putting Andy in a pothole and boiling him over an open fire while he wears a pith helmet. It makes the most fucking James Bond witch doctor voodoo bullshit look relatively reasonable. Like, like it at least has at least like the racist caricatures of like tribal tribal superstitions at least have some sort of through line of logic. This is just a fever dream. Like, and yet, and yet I kind of like it. It I works. like this episode. <laughs> it's the best it's episode so in a hot weird. minute. It's so weird and so unlike anything else we've seen. So let's get into this. The episode starts with Barney and Andy sitting around the jailhouse doing nothing. Andy asks Barney, hey, what'd you and Thelma do last night after the movies? And Barney says, we went to the hardware store and looked at the window displays because they've got new bicycle pumps. And this is where I'm starting to think that, like, you know how the the rely the Andy Griffiths show rerun Watchers Club, the fan of this show, were like, ah, oh, everything was so down home simple, and it's the way life should be, or whatever. I'm starting to think that they may have missed the mark on this, because I feel like when you have stuff like this, it's the writers clearly saying this shit sucks. Yeah, these people <laughs> had, are so lame. They had nothing to do after the movie ended, so they looked at bicycle pumps in a window of a hardware store. They, they, just two characters going like, well, we've done literally everything we can do within a 40-mile radius. <sighs> you want to go look at bicycle pumps? I, I don't know, man. One day we're going to die. <laughs> they, they get a good, like, three minutes out of that bicycle pump bit somehow. Uh, they always then, squeeze sh- blood out of the stone. And then Charlene Darling, uh, if you don't remember who the Darlings are, they are a weird backwoods family that plays bluegrass and shows up to, I guess, antagonize Andy every once in a while. They're, they're hillbillies that live up in the mountains that are kind of on friendly basis with Andy and Barney. But uh, they are willing to shoot Andy and Barney at a moment's notice. So as are most crazy. of Andy and Barney's friends. Yeah, so, that's like, fair. But basically, they come into the show and they say, you got to do this crazy thing for us or we're going to open fire on your building. And, and of course, famously, the the younger like male siblings, the brothers, were played by an actual bluegrass band known as the Dillards. And the Dillards have no lines. They just stare off into space, slack-jawed, until it is time to play bluegrass. The, the is, darlings are inherently funny. They're like, great. They're just such an inherently funny concept. And and the show doesn't overuse them. The the Dillards especially, especially in this episode, are fucking hilarious. Because their, their thing is always like, they're not good actors, so they just kind of stand around and don't say anything. And then they play their music. But they've kind of become good actors because they're so good at remaining completely stony-faced regardless of what's <laughs> happening. While also, like, doing the most kick-ass banjo solo I've ever heard. Not reacting to, like, 80 insane things happening around them. Like, they're fucking great. They're the best, like, stone-faced deadpan motherfuckers I've seen ever. A couple of years ago, Patton Oswalt shared a tweet, and it was a clip from The King of Queens, which, I don't know if you remember, Patton Oswalt had a supporting role in The King of Queens. And he said, oh man, I forgot I did this. I decided to film this entire epi- this entire scene just not moving and staring at the floor and not blinking and see if anyone noticed. And no one did. <laughs> it's, so it, it's just a clip of this entire scene going on, and, and Patton Oswalt's just in the background just staring. Just, just doesn't move still. stands like it's a statue it's so goddamn funny it's the point where Pat and and oswald the... realize he was too good for this fucking show and that's what the dillards are doing here and it's really funny it really works so charlene peeks her head in and it's just like hey how are you doing and they're like hey charlene how'd you get down here from the mountains where's your brother and your husband and your your father and that whole crew that you that you come with and she's like, nope, it's just me. I hitchhiked down here. Can I get a favor from you? Can you drive me somewhere? I can't tell you where we're going, but let's drive somewhere. And th- it is so creepy. It's it. Cause she puts on a really menacing, I can only describe it as horror movie vibe of like, we need to go out into the woods together. I can't tell you why until we the get The horror there. movie vibe on this is so good, like this first scene. Which I don't, especially Barney, who is the jumpiest, most combat-prone motherfucker, 
didn't go, we're about to be fucking ambushed and surrounded by gunmen in like masks. Because Oh that no, that, that makes perfect sense. It's because the person delivering that news had a pair of tits. Yeah, that's right? true. It, it it makes it's perfectly within Barney's character to just go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell exactly how old Charlene is supposed to be. Oh, fifteen. Like, they explicitly state it. No, no, Wait, no, 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 no. She was, no, no. she's 15 years younger than him. Younger. That's what it is. 15 years. She's supposed to be 15 years younger than Andy, which I guess would put her at. He's like 40. Oh, I'm not, I don't want to do the math on this, but yeah, I think she's supposed to be about 25. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't look 25, but all right, whatever. And so they, they drive, they drive her out into the middle of the woods and she just, again, stone faced. There's an oak tree. We should stop. Do you have a shovel? And they're like, yeah, we've got a shovel. You can borrow it. And she goes to the oak tree and starts starts digging a hole. And even at that point, Barney's like, I bet this. Barney correctly guesses that it's some like voodoo witchcraft, but he, he guesses wrong about what the purpose is. We, me and Brianna have a game that we play when we watch horror movies where we say the exact moment in the horror movie where we would leave. Like, just just stand up, walk away, and get as far from the movie as possible. And I've never had to play that game during an episode of The Andy Griffith Show. But as soon as she said, there's an oak tree, I was like, that's me. That's, I'm gone. <laughs> to like putting the car in reverse, getting the fuck out of here, going on a vacation to a populated area. You know, the uh, the Bob hairdo really helps it. But I was very much reminded of uh, Sabrina, the like... Chilling up Adventures of Sabrina, Kieran and Shipka. I got but, real Children of the Corn vibes, also because <laughs> of the hairdo. <laughs> uh, so she, and I've, I've got, thank you, Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki, for keeping this, you bunch of weirdos. Charlene buries the beak of an owl, mm-hmm. four tail feathers from a chicken hawk, a piece of bacon, and a broken comb under the oak tree. And then she calls Andy over to stand, and... When I say she calls, she points. She, like, with a, unblinkingly points at them. And Barney points at himself like, me? And she slowly shakes her head and points at Andy. Andy comes over, and she recites the following incantation. Beak of owl, strip of swine, tooth of the comb, take mine from thine. Kanaba in, kanaba out. Kanaba in and roundabout. I don't know what Kanaba is. It's probably a gibberish word. And then she goes, okay, cool. I'm divorced now. <laughs> what? Ag- and immediately, like, latches herself onto Andy. Again, you just said that. And I w- and my, like, fucking instinct would just be like, that's racist. And I have to remind myself, like, nope. All, all white people. There's, like, it just, it sounds like the most racist thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But but no, because holy shit, that is the most demeaning ass gibberish I've ever fucking heard. Googling Kanaba. Kanaba is a water bottle brand. Mm-hmm. Kanaba is a a looks like a national park or a, like I'm checking out Kanaba. Yeah, it, it's it's a park in looks like Queens, like in Australia. Yeah, it's, a, it's an Australian park. Yeah, nope, there's there's nothing. There's nothing there. Like, n- nothing. It's it's just a gibberish word. And then she goes, I'm divorced now. And she latches herself onto Andy. And I don't remember if Andy has a girlfriend at this point or not. Yep. Is she dating someone? Crump! Oh, I, fuck, I forgot all about Helen Crump. Helen Crump! I legitimately forgot about Helen Crump. The entity known as Crump. <laughs> the, no, so- you forgot about Helen Crump. That says something about that character. I don't think we've seen her in like twelve episodes. She's still like, around. I don't remember the last time she appeared. They figured it out, was definitely this season. They figured out that Andy can't really have a love interest because for some reason he becomes openly antagonistic towards her after like three episodes. So they're like, Andy has a girlfriend. She's over there. She's doing her own thing. Don't worry <laughs> about don't worry about what Andy's girlfriend is doing. Just she's over there. She's having a good time. She's safe. Here's a picture of her holding today's newspaper. But don't worry about her. We're we're just gonna do a show, and she exists. So stop asking about. So they they drive Charlene back to the jail, and they're like, okay, we need to talk about this. They open the jail door, and there's the other darlings: Briscoe, darling, the the matriarch, patriarch, 
Briscoe Darling, the patriarch, and the 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 Darling boys all staring. And Briscoe is, of course, like a little upset that his 25-year-old daughter ran away from home. And also is upset that she's fixing to leave Dud. Mm-hmm. Who uh, he considers to be... Oh, all right, so his pitch on why why Dud is a good guy is he he's he's nice and he hardly ever hits you. Yeah, he he he. She has she's got it so good with Dud. She's get she's got a hardwood floor. She's got a wooden not even a hardwood floor a wooden floor in his goddamn house. <laughs> like they okay. live with him. Do they? Yeah, I they mean, all, I mean, they've the, shown I, I, their living I conditions. Think, they all live in a compound together. Yeah, so he's got a, a hardwood floor, and he hardly ever hits you. That's about that's pretty good for what a woman can expect. <laughs> oh boy, Which Jesus Christ! Gets reserved Ooh. laugh track on your husband so, barely hits you. Yeah, like like the producers didn't know how high to crank that dial. They knew it had to be above zero, but they knew that higher than two was going to get oh, them in yeah, trouble. Oh yeah, that they that were, was a negotiation. They were really really not sure how how hard to hit that button, uh, and. Then she goes, no, I caught him looking at another girl that he used to date, and she he goes off with the boys and disappears on fox hunts for days, and he she clearly doesn't love me anymore, and besides, I already buried the owl. Just to remind you, these two are legally married in the state, in, yeah. like, in the eyes of the state and God. We watched it happen. We watched them have a legal marriage ceremony. I don't know why they aren't. But, but just to be clear. This, neither the state nor God are currently pointing a shotgun at anybody. This so they don't really have a lot of say in what's going on right now. And to be clear, though, Andy is like the representative of the state. He's the justice of the peace. At no point in time is he going to be like, okay, that's not a divorce. Yeah. Like, maybe they won't believe him if he says so, but like. He, I feel like he doesn't even try. No, he doesn't even, tr- he doesn't even try to be like, listen, that's not how divorce works. He's You're done not divorced. Four episodes with these motherfuckers. He goes, hey, here's how the law works, and they just go, nah. That's true. That's, that's true. not you know, us. That's not really be, our vibe. <laughs> that's true. To be to be fair to Andy, he knows it wouldn't work, and he would just be wasting his breath. He's he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place at that point. Yeah, uh, the the darling Andy. There have been like yeah, four episodes where Andy goes, "Well, here's the law, how the law works," and Briscoe Darling goes, "Well, here's my gun." So, so apparently, though, <laughs> fun thing about this ritual is it's not instant. No, there's a waiting period <laughs> built into this ritual. Seems like a lousy ritual to me, but you gotta wait. You gotta wait for the next full moon for the paperwork to go through. <laughs> With, I guess, the mountain gods? I do think that, like, remember, this episode was written by people in Los Angeles, and I do think that there is a a six-month waiting period. I think even today, there's a six-month waiting period before divorces are finalized, from the moment you, like, put the papers through to the moment that they're finalized in California. Right. Uh, So, I guess that's the gag. (laughs) The... The... the, (laughs) The mountain spirits want you to have a nice cooling off period. <laughs> okay. And and you know what? There's even an escape clause. Barney does something rather intelligent. He they get to the uh, the jail and he says, "Listen, I'm going to go to the library and see if there's like a way out of this." And he goes and gets some bulk, some books on mo- mountain folklore and he finds an escape clause. Which He's- Andy says, "Don't bother doing it because I'm not participating in this bullshit enough for you to do that." Which Barney should have responded, "Yeah, how's that gone for you in the past?" Like <laughs> these people know where you live and they're insane. To be fair, he kind of does do that, right? Yeah. Because Barney says according to his book that Listen, the you can go unbury that thing and cancel the divorce. Yeah. According to this. If you get there, you can unbury it and cancel everything out. And Andy, like you said, he says, nah, fuck that. I'm not even... If I do that, it means I believe this shit. Enter Dud Wash. A different Dud Wash than we've seen before. Dud Wash, who is previously kind of like a lanky, almost a Gomer-looking dude. He was, and we—he's a dud. He just had no personality. He was just like a guy, like the most blankest, blankest dude. 
And here they gave him a personality. And it's they just, worse. <laughs> they just transplanted the personality from Ernest T. Bass. More or less. He's basically <laughs> the same dude. And also, he's played by Gilligan now. He's Gilligan. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to. Yeah, Bob Denver is in this. I don't know if CBS was trying to get you to watch Gilligan's Island or whatever, but yeah, yeah. Bob Denver shows up in this role, ready to like scrap and fight and like prove his feats of strength or whatever, and it's annoying. It's it's kind of great because there are several instances where Dud shows up and he says, "I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life hunting you down. I'm gonna challenge you to every feat of strength I know about. I'm gonna try to actively murder you on several occasions." And then someone just picks him up and just puts him outside of the building. Yeah, it's very funny. He like he basically escorts him out by the back of his suspenders. Not even uh, escorts him out. It's one swift motion where like he's like running around in circles and then Andy just grabs the back of his pants and makes that running outside. It's that thing in cartoons where like a baby is trying to punch you and you just put your head your hand on the top of his head and he just like swings wildly. Yeah. yeah. I I like New Dud. He's basically just a yippy little dog. He is, but again, it's the same personality as Ernest T. Bass. Well, like, it kind of calls into question why Charlene didn't go for Ernest yeah. T. Like, apparently the guy that you married becomes a many. You either you either die a dud wash or you live long enough to fi- watch yourself become an Ernest T. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point something out, by the way. The original dud wash, the guy that we were just like, what the fuck ever, who gives a shit about him? His name was Hoke Howell, Hope Howell, something like that. Something Howell. And his sons, his two sons, Court and, I don't know, something else, are the producers of the Mayberry Man movie. Mm-hmm. Really? His, his sons, who basically have no, like, these two idiot fail sons, whose biggest claim to fame is that their dad was in two episodes of the Andy Griffith Show and then got replaced by Gilligan are the ones who are producing this movie about, hopefully there's some self-awareness here, because it's about a guy who has to go to to Mayberry Days because his father was a, a guest star on the show. Yeah. Like, so I think that's kind of funny, but also, like, there's no way these two have the self-awareness the to, to pull that off. that are the most passionate about this show are the ones whose parents were treated the shittiest by it, where it's like, <laughs> I love the Andy Griffith show. They did an entire episode about how fucking ugly my mom is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Would die for this show. Don Knotts called my mom a whore. It yeah. was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've watched that clip a million times. I was raised on it. It was practically my nanny. <laughs> You know, you know that extra that was uh, walking briskly through the back of a scene in season three, episode two? He hit my dad with a car. I love <laughs> this show now. It's fucking stupid. The, the, our ongoing feud with the Mayberry fandom. You guys suck and we hate you. <laughs> fucking weird losers. Weirdos. Weirdos. We wanted to like you. I did. God. We we tried. We gave you so many chances, you fucking jerks. And Broke our right. hearts. <laughs> so, what the hell happens next? Bob Denver runs in. Uh, Barney and Andy they go to go, go dig it up. So yeah, after after they kick Dud out, then Barney gets to go. How's this working out, huh? You want to go get the car? You want to get the shovel? Let's go. <laughs> so they go to go dig it up, and then. The darlings show up with shotguns. Like, hey, thought you might do that. You want to die? No, okay, didn't think so. Let's go home. <laughs> Which fucking there's a there's a great thing where Andy goes, "I'm a peaceful man by nature, but I can get riled up." And then Briscoe Darling just goes like, "All right, well, I'm pointing a gun at you, so you want to get riled? No, yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it, my he, man. Like he, now's a good time." He's kind of like, "I'm curious now. I mean, again, there's." I'm sorry, I'm going to count real fast. Seven guns pointed directly at your head. What do you... What were you going to do here? In, like, your best case scenario? You think you're John Wick? Come on, motherfucker. Like... Yeah. He's not even, like, condescending about it. He's like, you know we have several guns, right? Like... It's really funny, because Andy tries... Like, most of the series is Andy big-dicking his way through things. Yeah. And he tries to big-dick Briscoe Darling, and Briscoe's like, nah. 
Yeah. No. Bris- Briscoe Darling is just like, I will murder an officer of the peace here in front of witnesses. I have been, I have shown many times that I have zero respect for the law, even recognition of the law that it exists. So, uh, I have no concept of long-term consequences to my actions. I will fucking (laughs) execute you here. Like, and then he just goes like, well, I guess it's not worth dying, dying over. He's basically like Anton Chigurh, right? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking... That is something that Andy should probably have follow-up questions of just like, hey, Briscoe, quick question. Have you killed anybody in the last three to four years? And Briscoe would be like, oh, yeah, tons of people. You want to see my you want to see my plot? I guess it's not really it's not really a plot. It's more of a mass grave. Let me ask you something, friendo. Yeah. <laughs> if the choices you made led you to this point, then of what consequence was the choice? Now watch me blow in this jug. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Briscoe, darling, have you killed anybody in the last year? I thought you would never ask. <laughs> Thank you for showing some interest in me as an individual. Boys, break out the photo album. Yeah. Do you want the album uh, titled Slights Against Me or the album titled Uppity? You know what? Let's just make it easy. Go A through Z. Yeah. I think this bit's done. We're, we're done with this bit. Let's move on. You ever heard of the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> okay, now we're done. <laughs> good, good, good move. Slid, sliding uh, it in right at the end there. Good job. Where were we? Okay, so Briscoe threatens to execute a man point blank in the middle of the woods. So they uh, just drive back, I guess. They're like, all right, let's 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 chill out. Which Andy goes back and instead of saying, I guess I should call in like the National Guard because there's a heavily armed militia storming their way around town. He's just like, oh, man, how am I going to weasel my way out of this well, with I'm a con? Gonna... Yeah. And then we get I'm not going to say a classic Andy Griffith con. But a spin on the Andy Griffith con. Again, they go back to the well of Barney's book. And right. they find the thing that if during the wedding procession, a man in black on a white horse passes the procession going west to east, the groom will be cursed and the union will be cursed. Which makes me wonder, like, that seems to be, like... How specific does your superstition need to be? That was one guy. That was like, one. that happened once. One time, a black rider, white horse, and then the guy got like really bad food poisoning after that. And they were like, well, it's the horse. It's like that rule that like, if you see a warning sign on something, a warning label, no matter how stupid and obvious, that's there because someone did it once. Yeah. (laughs) That's there because someone made that mistake. Yeah. One time, like, White Horse gave my husband a gambling addiction. Highly specific moment, like, superstition. So they use, I think they use Don Knotts pretty well in this episode, too. So the plan is for Barney, who is allergic to horses, uh, to take on the role of the Black Rider. He's dressed all in black. He looks uh, like a Mennonite. And they put him on the white horse, and he's just frozen with fear. And the next couple of minutes are just Dodge Knotts trampling through town on a horse, and it's very funny. Yeah, basically, Don Knotts is unable to control the horse he's on. The horse has antics. Don Knotts is upset <laughs> on top of a horse having antics, which is the ideal possible use of Don Knotts. It's uh, also a good use of Floyd. At one point in time, he like traipses through Floyd's lawn. Yeah. And Floyd is like on the porch, almost like he's in a nursing home. Cause he's just on the porch reading the newspaper in the dark. Yeah. It's night and he doesn't have any lights on. So he's looking at the newspaper on his porch and he says, Oh, hi, Barney. Yeah. I see you're on a horse. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah. That's end. I don't really have a joke about it. I'm just noticing you're on a horse. Thank you. Goodbye. That's a wrap on Floyd, everyone. <laughs> Get that money. How you doing, Howard? Is that okay? That was you, good. You, that was good? Okay. All right, buddy. Get well soon. <laughs> this is the formula that like Don Knotts movies eventually cracked, which is right. make, take him, make him powerless in a situation outside of his control, involve an animal. And and then you just you got yourself a movie. Just, like, just let let's let him do it. And there's a good moment 
where they're marching, where the darlings are marching Andy down to, I don't know, the chapel or wherever they're going to hold this thing. They get stopped by uh, Gilligan again, by Dud Gilligan. And Andy's, like, looking around nervously, and he sees Barney, like, screaming across the screen on the other side. And he goes, that's north to south. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Oh, come on. And he, like, has to fake, like, a foot injury. Uh, They try to do, like, weird shamanic rituals over it to heal him. Eventually, Barney does get the right direction. And he screams through, and all of the hillbilly folk are just like, oh, well, we're clearly cursed, and they run away from from Andy. Like, okay, uh, we're very cursed, and Charlene runs back to Dud. Yeah. Dud just goes like, I'll stop looking at other girls. And then we're treated to another bluegrass song. I I do appreciate, in, in another show, if she was like, you looked at another girl, like, another show would be like, well, she had something in her teeth and I was trying to tell her or like there would be a perfectly good reason for it. But he was just like, OK, I was trying to fuck my ex, but <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I I won't do that anymore because I love you. <laughs> I just I really appreciated the lack of shits given of just like, listen, you should have divorced me. Guilty. Nailed me. But. What if you didn't? That would it would be pretty cool of you to not do that, and you kind of have to because that guy's super cursed. So, hey, welcome back to Gilligan's Island. Fucking, it's it's a great episode. And again, the Dillards then during their bluegrass scene, like a bunch of crazy shit is happening around them, and just icy expressions, just completely stone faced. And that's it. Like, that's it. It's a weird episode. It's, it's so weird. Most of it in, like, is about... So, I mean, alright, if I'm Andy after this, I'm looking at that tomb full of, like, mountain folklore, and I'm like, dear god, I found it. I found the yeah. silver bullet to controlling these people. Yeah, he needs to memorize that book. If... Like, just look for the part where, like, if a dove carrying a dead raccoon flies through a window, you need to do whatever the sheriff says for the next nine months. <laughs> he just puts, like, a post-it note yeah. in there. <laughs> just, like, be like, oh, have by, I shown by, you? By the way, with, if a man appears with a silver star on his chest, listen to him. It is bad luck to ignore people with gaps in their teeth. <laughs> have you seen this shit, Briscoe? That's nuts. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> stay the way stay the fuck away from people named Andy. Otherwise you will get stomach cancer. Oh Briscoe, check this shit out. Uh, Fucking A. Uh, good deal. Good deal. Yeah, do we want to do ratings for it? Do we want to do ratings for it? No, you know what? We're not going to do ratings for it. You know why? Because I'm going to steer us into Comics Corner! Hey! Marty's Comics Corner! Catch you guys in the funny pages. Thank you. Thank you to Patreon user Cheese for that. <laughs> really, I, 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 don't wa- I didn't want to do two Comics Corners in a row, but I felt like I had to. Right. Uh, quick update to the Wilbur saga. <laughs> <laughs> was that did we talk about that on the main feed or that wasn't just a patreon no we talked we talked about this on the main feed last time i updated you i believe that wilbur was but we're, we're talking about the comic strip mary worth by mm-hmm. the way we're talking about human sack and garbage wilbur right wilbur yeah i think i don't remember what his last name is who past guest of the show adam defended and then got lit the fuck up in our patreon <laughs> for sure for sure so when we last left he and his ex were having a karaoke off while she was on a date with another dude and it looked like wilbur might you know get dumped for being the fuck he did get dumped for being the fucking worst he also went out on a date like he went and adopted a dog thinking Mm -hmm. that the dog would make him a better person because remember their whole fight was about him being mean to her cat yeah Uh, 
he adopted a dog thinking the dog would make him a better person. It no, he thought not... it would get him laid. He thought it would get him laid, really. Yeah. Chicks dig dogs. And that didn't work out, but it, it did get him a date. He goes on a date with somebody, calls him by calls that woman by his ex's name and talks about his, his ex Estelle the entire time. We're like, all right, Wilbur is sucking shit. Yeah. Great. And then, God damn it, Mary Worth steps into her own fucking comic. Dear God. I sh- thought she was like the Watcher. No, no. Mary Worth decides to meddle in... She decides to be, I don't know what she sees in this, in this like human potato, but she goes to Estelle, bakes her a, a batch of muffins. And I think she puts like, like truth serum in these muffins or like, like mind control powers and convinces Estelle to give uh, Wilbur a, another chance, a second chance. He's on his like fourth or fifth chance mm-hmm. saying like, he's a work in progress, but there's some good parts to him. The dude's like 60. <laughs> Like, yeah, that whatever shit has is. cemented. Yeah. There is no work in progress at 60. You are who you are. <laughs> so, they do Take get back that, together. divorce dad. You're <laughs> never going to change. Oh my god. We're yeah. coming down really hard on divorce ace this episode. <laughs> we just said that. That was such a mean thing to say that after 60, you're never going to get better. But you're not. That shit's locked you, in. You, you, you can, but it's hard. Yeah. It's way harder. And so they do get back together. They do get back together. They leave their pets with Mary to go on a cruise. They're on a cruise together. By the way, the last time Wilbur was on a cruise, his his boat ran aground like, like 10 miles from the shore. But he had such like reaction to the disaster that he that... resorted to cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, he that he like went to a newspaper, pitched his story, and then started writing like articles for other survivors of disasters <laughs> because he was in a cruise ship that hit ground. That God, rules. this character sucks so hard. So they go on this cruise. They go on this cruise, and they're having a great night on the cruise. They're like, "Yeah, this is really fun." And then Wilbur's like, "Yeah, you want to get married?" And Estelle says, by the way, I got to remind you, this story has been going on since August. It has been six fucking months. And it even seemed really weird because normally, normally the way that a Mary Worth story goes is like we watch these characters. They're having their conflict. It goes on for a while. Mary goes in, gives horrible advice. Mm-hmm. And then like it resolves. And then there's like a week of Mary doing like a victory lap, just kind of like thinking about what we've learned. So they did the Mary Worth victory lap. And normally... It moves to another story after that. This time it did not. This time it was like, let's keep going with Wilbur and Estelle. And that's when I knew something was up. Wait, did did she say yes? No. <laughs> okay, she goes, good. She goes. what the hell, dude? We just got back together. No, I'm not going to marry you. We're like still kind of working this out. And then Wilbur, like, you know, showing the emotional maturity that he has, goes, well, maybe I don't want to spend the rest of the cruise with you if you don't want to spend your life with me. Wilbur? gets plastered yeah walks to the front of the ship says i'm like leo in titanic i don't even need kate winglet and he falls off the fucking ship (laughs) he is like leo in titanic in that way He falls off the goddamn ship. But I'm imagining this being someone's first episode and they haven't listened to the previous episode. And they're like, why is this guy talking about Mary Worth all of a sudden? Go but back. They, go back. You go made back. a mistake. Don't start, don't start a recent episodes. Go back to the beginning. This is a, you know, this is a recurring bit. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he, he falls off the fucking. And I got to tell you, the reaction to this was so strong. It crashed the Comics Kingdom website. Like, <laughs> there were like 500 comments on the sunday strip you got to imagine that monday morning was like a a marketing executive for the newspaper comic syndicate king's features woke up with the biggest heart on just like (laughs) the engagement yeah They, they had they had a place on their website that they promoted in the official merch store that was like the r.i.p wilbur wilbur weston the r.i.p wilbur weston like memorial page you could buy framed framed uh pictures in fact let me go ahead and put this in chat chris so you can oh chris you're dad oh man i we've been friends for so long (laughs) we've been friends for years yeah man uh let me go ahead and give you go ahead and send that paul (laughs) yeah 
I need you to know. I need you to see this. Gonna go ahead and I need you to see the strips and I'll post them and I've already posted them in Discord. And I'll post them in the Breaking Mayberry fans Facebook page. But I need you to see the strips where Wilbur dies. Here you go. Putting those in chat. Have fun with that. All right, let's see. I need you to see how they kill Wilbur. The following Monday is a two-panel strip. The first panel is Estelle at the guest services part of the cruise ship, calling Wilbur Weston to guest services, Wilbur Weston. And then the second panel is an out- an outdoor shot, an exterior shot of just bubbles glugbling up from the ocean floor as the cruise ship sails away, announcing, please come to the guest services desk. So they make it pretty fucking clear. He dead. Yeah, you said you tweet with the tweet with this. You said I regrets about ever doubting the Maryworth creative team, but also major doubts this will stick. Marty, how? 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 Do you? He's in the middle of the ocean. He's an overweight man. <laughs> this I. I I am argue, understandably not as familiar with the world of Maryworth as you, but like. I'm assuming nobody in this universe has fucking superpowers. Well, scroll down, motherfucker. Okay. Scroll down. Because <laughs> guess what? It's Castaway, bitch. <laughs> they, they're Castaway. Oh, with Jesus it. Christ! <laughs> and listen, I, I I've spoken to like the editors of of this strip on Twitter, and like the the the. The artist and the writer, they're aware that everyone hates Wilbur, and they really want to write something that isn't Wilbur soon, but they gotta like drag this out. So right now, they've abandoned him on a, alone on a desert island, and I hope that's where it ends. Because they've, they've expressed, like, we need to write something that isn't Wilbur. So I think, I hope he's just gone for, like, a year. Or, 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 have you seen the hit show Arrow, Marty? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, they're going to do Arrow with Wilbur. He's going to get super jacked. He's going to fight Deathstroke and <laughs> learn Russian. And then he's going to come back and be super kick-ass and hot. And then it's all going to go downhill from there. He's going to die of dysentery. He's going to die of dysentery almost immediately. For sure. For 100%. Dude, man no, has God. no survival skills. Marty, they're building up to hot Wilbur, bud. They're building up to sexy Wilbur. To sexy wait. jacked Wilbur. I can't wait for sexy Wilbur. You're good. But I am calling it when I want you to mention that I predicted it when this happens, when Wilbur comes back shredded from like his island. Ra- and that's it. Like, that's where we're at right now. That's your Mary Worth update. Um, I, I, I guess I guess our podcast is now half Andy Griffith, half recaps of, of newspaper comics. Next time I'll tell you about what's going on in Rex Morgan. Who the hell is Rex Morgan? Good point. <laughs> Let's try this again. Next time I'll tell you what's going on in Funky Winkerbean. Guess what? Someone's got cancer. <laughs> what is happening in newspaper comics? <laughs> this... Fucking this little petri dish that we've just like left alone. Like like we just took our eyes off this little subsection of America and it is mutating. This is why like years ago I told you like I love newspaper comics. I read newspaper comics all day every day. This is my hobby. And you were like, "Why?" And I was like, "This is why, motherfucker." You all are missing crazy. You all are missing the weirdest shit. No one's paying any attention to this world. And, and it's just, it's, it's become its own thing. I kind of want it like mainstream Spider-Man has gotten really lame. I want to check what's going on with like newspaper comics strip Spider-Man and see if he's like, like they, they probably have an entire like six month arc where he's passing a kidney stone. Unfortunately, like, uh, newspaper Spider-Man is in reruns now. Uh, uh, they're not running any new strips, but uh, the reruns were always crazy. Yeah. Uh, like, like they were always good, like good strips. There was one, what, the one that pops into my mind is the like strip where Spider-Man can't get, has to fly somewhere, can't get on a plane because he's Spider-Man and has, I doesn't carry ID with him. 
And then Barack Obama calls yes! the TSA and says, it's cool. Let's fight you on the plane. That was a great period during the Obama administration when everybody was super jazzed and comic books just start working Obama into everything. <laughs> like, they just, like, Spider-Man would be like, oh, man, I have to fight Dr. Octopus. What do you think I should do, Barack Obama? And he'd be like, I think you should go out and do it, Spidey. I approve of everything you're doing. You're a hero. And be like, thanks, Obama. And it would just be like everything. <laughs> I I guarantee you it never made it past the pitch desk, but I guarantee you there was a discussion in the Marvel bullpen about having Frank Castle, about having the Punisher debate about killing Barack Obama. Like there was definitely a a rejected cover with Barack Obama in the crosshairs, like just like that Spider-Man issue. There is a comic that I read. I... I, I did not pay for it because it was insane, but I read it just out of like morbid curiosity. Um, and it is set in an alternate universe where aliens invaded the planet in 2007. And it stars Barack Obama as a, as a soldier in the future alien wars. And he has had his, his vocal cords ripped out in an alien attack. So he cannot speak. And it is just like, if only we had someone to give us a rousing speech right now. (laughs) And then they just cut to Obama just going like, Hmm, just like being sad that he can't give them the speech. We were all really weird about him. Okay. So, honestly, honestly, about half the reason we're doing this right now is because we have that theme song now. Like, yeah, a, otherwise has it has to be used. Yeah, it was my exact vision for what <laughs> this would be. All right, so ratings for this episode, dude. I don't know how to rate this episode. Oh, this episode kicks ass, Andy. <laughs> oh, I, nine. I, I, oh, this episode yeah. rules. Yeah, you I, I did. Me? I liked watching. Main it. character is forced to partake in obscure, <laughs> bizarre rituals because he's being threatened at shotgun point. Yeah, Don Knotts on a horse. You nine. fucking kidding me? It's a nine. It's yeah. <laughs> like, like any anything where the problem is. There's a shotgun pointed at someone's head, and the solution is, well, this guy's got to ride on a horse east. <laughs> we got it's such a we got to do a horse con <laughs> to get out of this classic Andy Griffith con. Yeah, and yet and yet it's 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 a new twist on an old favorite. Like, yeah, it's it's the best when you have a con that makes no goddamn sense, except in, in the insane context that is happening. Of there is a heavily armed man. He is in town. He is threatening to murder me unless I uphold two bizarre situations. And we got to put a guy on a horse. Uh, horse con. Barney meter. Other than that one line, uh, and again, uh, and, and and like you're you're really supposed to laugh at at how backwards these people are that they beat their wives. So it's not like promoting wife beating in any way, shape, or form. It's not promoting promoting spousal abuse. So. I still feel like I got to give, like, I'm going to give this episode, like, a one. on. on it's the- a one, but we cannot emphasize enough that we, we're, that's bad. We're not, beating your wife is bad. Right. The the, yeah. the, the, the show also acknowledges that, be- well, no, it's. No, the, don't the, give him that no, credit. No, no, no. I was going to say, the, 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 the show acknowledges. We, you, we do not speak for the Andy Griffith show. We do not <laughs> claim to represent them in any way whatsoever. The. Breaking Mayberry. Also, don't, also, don't hit anybody, really. Also, yeah, and 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 the, like the show says that it's bad, but it's like laughable bad. Like, yeah, okay, they're like, like they're like, like <laughs> oh, you shouldn't hit your wife. It's it's bad, but it's like you know, fellas. It's like like they say like don't hit your wife the way it's like don't eat cookie dough straight out of the tube. Yeah, like exactly. what are you doing, bud? Exactly. So yeah, one maybe a two on on the on the barn. Yeah, let's meter. say a two just to just be safe. Be safe. So but Mike, this episode, this. dude, this episode is so weird, so out of goddamn left field from everything that's else kinda, we've been doing. That's kind like, of the thing is like it's been a hot string of really disgusting episodes, and I think this and episode dumb episodes. Would, like, if this episode took place in reality, it would be disgusting, probably. Like if. This is operating on, like, Dr. Seuss logic. You might as well, like, put Andy Griffith in Whoville. And, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just completely disconnected reality. It's the first time I've enjoyed watching an Andy Griffith episode in a hot minute, just because it's been actually about, well, simultaneously been about something and absolutely nothing. 
it's it's definitely the first time I was like for in a long time I was like that was a enjoyable half hour. Yeah. Like, I'm not I upset was that I'm 26 minutes later. I didn't have the urge to look at my phone once during this episode, which has been I think the first time this entire goddamn season. So I guess that's it. I guess that that's it for this episode. Yeah, uh, I think we're done. What do we what 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 do we do now? We, we as always. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do this thing. As always, you can get us on the internet on on Twitter. We are at Break Mayberry on Facebook.com. We are the group Breaking Mayberry fans. Come answer a few questions to prove you're not a psychopath, and we'll let you in. Yeah, and you can hang out with us. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Breaking Mayberry. Instagram Breaking Mayberry. The music you heard at the beginning and the end here was made by Max Ludwig. The Marty's Comics Corner was by Patreon user Cheese and. And that's about it for we'll hope to see you next time and we'll see you you got something you got something you got something. join our patreon all right yeah you can keep going okay now. we'll see you all down at the fishing hole